Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Well, guys, it's a very special episode because we've got another one of the very faces on Mount Zeitmore. She is the skim Uh-oh. goddess. She is Lacey <laughs> Mosley! <laughs> what is up, up, y'all? The skim I goddess. Mean, skim I would also goddess. like to be the skim goddess. <laughs> have you been listening to a lot of podcasts or something? <laughs> yeah, the podcast. The yeah, I love podcasts. Yeah, that's actually very good. I love to be uh, on podcasts. Oh, Lacey, how also. are you doing in quarantine? I mean, as good as anybody can be doing. I have a routine now every day when the sun goes down or gets cooler. I go out and I take a walk. Um, Sometimes Mm. I get on the phone with friends. Uh, Yesterday, I was on the phone with a girlfriend on my AirPods, and this homeless man started, he just started yelling. He's like, you fucking black bitch, you bitch, you bitch. He's like screaming at me, right? And I'm walking past. Why was I just like walking past like, la, la, la. My friend's like, oh, my God, who's screaming at you? I was like, oh, girl, I live in Hollywood. You know how it be. (laughs) She was like, can you cross the street? (laughs) She was like, can you cross the street? Why are you not afraid? I was like, nah. Uh, uh, You know, it's just nice to hear somebody talking to you these days. (laughs) It feels nice to be seen. Feels nice to be seen. He knew I was black. You know, he got Yeah. I was saying on a. You felt seen. I did. I was saying like in a past episode how often. Everyone just says hi now. Like, it's almost like you live in fucking Whoville or some shit. Like, hey, how are you? Whoa. Good day. Good day. Have a good evening. I'm like, okay. Oh, I miss miss being yelled at in the city. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was. Maybe we should just make a podcast like that, like an ASMR experience (laughs) called Getting Yelled At in the City. Right. For for New Yorkers and shit. Get out of my fucking way. Yeah. Yo, blue shirt. Yo, blue shirt. Oh, I can fall asleep to that. I could fall asleep. Hey, to yo, that. blue shirt. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I will fuck you then. <laughs> right. Uh, what is uh what's something you think is overrated, Andy? This takes a little bit of explaining, but uh the concept of genius in the 21st century, and I'm mostly I uh, tread carefully, sir. Some of us have a our geniuses. <laughs> well, yes, except okay. So accepting Let's let's pretend that I'm not talking about Mensa. All right. And okay. what I am talking about is uh, someone like Elon Musk, who is uh, what I will say is a dumb dipshit who got lucky. Mm. But like yeah. this is the got thing lucky about to be born <gasps> into a ruby mine. Yeah. Emerald. <laughs> right. Emerald. Yeah. I looked it up. So I, I, would... I was born in a ruby. <laughs> I wanted to mind <laughs> my P's sucks. and Q's because I didn't want anyone to come for me on this one because I know like if you. If you criticize Elon Musk, uh, a bunch of people that uh, will never have any money and uh, have no connection, Muskegee have no connection airmen. to like come for you. <laughs> they call the That's what his fans are called. <laughs> they are? No, I just made that. <laughs> oh, I love it, bro. Fighting 99. Down in flames we go. I'm just thinking of that movie, Tuskegee Airmen, with Lawrence Fishburne, his <laughs> mm-hmm. last scene at the fucking 
cockpit. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, but tell me about the 20. Are you talking about more of like a classical, uh, like in the antiquities era idea of what genius was and that people had a genius versus people being a genius? No, just the 20, like in the 20th century. Okay. Like, oh, okay. Think of the people that like are called genius now. It's uh, dummies like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos. These are people who like just invested Rich. money. Like they were wealthy. Like, Elon Musk had a, a, a had family wealth from an emerald mine. All right, uh, he dropped out of a physics PhD program after two days, and all he's done is invest his money. I, I didn't. Know, I was about to say well, but I think he's just in invested scalp. his money and got lucky. And then he is backdated his ego, right? And he says, "Well, because I'm rich, I must be a genius." And then everyone mm. like agrees that oh, these people. But they must be geniuses because they're wealthy as opposed to like they've exploited all their labor or they yeah. had family wealth in the first place or they got lucky. But like I was thinking but about that's like genius, Andy, that's genius, though, that mm, they did that, you know, 20th century. Who do we call <laughs> geniuses? Einstein, right? Niels Bohr, um, Picasso, uh, Picasso, Watson, Crick and Franklin, right? Uh, James Joyce, like people who either uh, scientific like changed the scientific paradigm, changed the literary or artistic paradigm in some way. Those were geniuses. Um, yeah. And now it's like a dude who buys a ski do factory. And well, I feel like that it's just all about like how effectively you manage to mythologize yourself. Because I'm sure that there are like yeah. some people that we have like historically labeled as geniuses. Who aren't like there's like I feel like Edison is a really good example of that where like uh, more than a basic snuff test reveals that he was like in many ways a total fraud. Uh, And what was he, Jamie? He's just like these shitheads. Yeah. Right. So it's just like if you're able to if you're able to afford to effectively mythologize yourself, you'll probably get away with it. Edison is the Elon Musk of the 20th century. Yeah. Right. right. Damn. Wow. Damn. I was just he thinking of it. no, just like the way we use the term genius as compared to antiquity when like that that concept of genius emerged is that people had a genius in which it was something external that would visit them to inspire Ooh. this like great work out of these people. Right. And over time we began to sort of co-opt that with our egos and narcissism ah. and began, that wording became someone was a genius, that person is a genius rather than has a genius. And I think it's interesting just to even think about how you might create things because people you look at somebody, you'd be like, if you're a musician, like, oh, I love, you know, fucking Johnny Greenwood. He's a genius or yeah. whatever. Like, what does he do? Or, but is Johnny Greenwood thinking that he's a genius or is, the, is it more about inspiration that you are opening yourself and allowing yourself to create things? And that's where the, that's where it comes out rather than like, I think people put this pressure on themselves to be like, if I want to be a genius, then I'm yeah. going to do Exactly. When our first, the way we used to even articulate this concept was that like someone opens themselves up to some truths that they are able to then interpret by how open they are rather than like, they fucking got it. Ah. This guy's got the fucking genius. Why do you yeah. think I took my name off of DreamWorks? The w- <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. The way yeah. that I've I've found that term used a lot is just like it, it is like a, a narcissistic thing, but it also is like I feel like sometimes used to remove your like remove accountability from your own behavior and actions. Ah. Like 
in the case of Elon Musk and in the case of just like a lot of the Mensa people that I was talking to back in the day, it's just like a situation of like, oh, this person's behaving erratically. They're they're making bizarre choices. And then it's just like, oh, well, they're a genius. So you just don't get what they're doing. It's like, no, they right. could conceivably just be being an asshole or <laughs> or acting weird and then it, but if you are able to like label yourself as greater than you're like you couldn't possibly understand why i'm exploiting I mean, yeah. my workers yeah. you're just like Let, yeah right. let's not forget i mean right now we have a very stable genius uh, <laughs> yeah exactly it's, um, very similar <laughs> situation yeah yeah i think the way that america in particular commodifies like and commodifies narcissism and like makes people think that they are the genius rather than they are transmitters of a genius is there are a lot of American authors who just write one great thing and are heralded as geniuses and then like never write anything again because there's like there's something just like toxic and unnatural and incorrect about that whereas I feel like other countries are just like I'm plying a craft or I'm, you know, a uh, I'm channeling something higher than myself. Does the sophomore album curse? I wonder if that's unique to American music or if we looked at is is the curse of the sophomore album like globally embraced as like a law of creativity? You know what I mean? Because I'm to right. your point, Jack, about this emphasis, you do one thing or you come out with this work early then the this the expectation of like the subsequent works just becomes like exponentially higher uh to right. the point where like you have no way to compare it really but i'm but then also there are some objective sophomore efforts where you're like yeah you yeah. clearly got a lot of money and stopped giving a fuck but i'm i'm ah. i wonder culturally if that's something like we yeah to us and our like yeah, you yeah. know pursuit it's not, of it's fame not a rule I think that's but how I you do. burn out yeah, I do feel like it's a tendency that Americans have that doesn't really exist as much uh, Exceptionalism, elsewhere. Exceptionalism, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is something that you think is underrated, Kate? Um, I'm going to talk about a director that I kind of discovered this year, and I'm still working through her filmography, but it's funny to me during this quarantine time, everybody is talking about like comfort food movies and especially Nancy Myers movies. Uh, but one of my big discoveries this year is a director named Joan Micklin Silver, who made some of the best romantic comedies I've ever seen. Um, uh, I would say the two best movies to start with her are a movie called Crossing Delancey, uh, which is just this really low key romantic comedy from the 80s with Amy Irving. And she somehow makes Peter Riegert into like the sexiest man alive in this movie. <laughs> um, don't ask me how he plays a character named the Pickle Man. And by the end of the movie, you're like, where is my Pickle Man? Uh, <laughs> and she but, you know, the flip of that is she has another film called Chilly Scenes of Winter that is about kind of, you know, uh, a hapless 20 something who falls in love with a married woman and things do not go well. Uh, and that's with John Hurd and Mary Beth Hurt and is from the 70s. But she's really awesome. She made movies all throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, some stuff that, you know, on its face looks like horn dog comedies like Loverboy with Patrick Dempsey. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, this is a movie about how women's sexual desires are uh, not prioritized and how their emotional lives are not uh, shown on screen. So she's really dope. She's still alive. Uh, if you can seek out any of her movies, I highly recommend it during quarantine. Um, she's dope. Wow. Lover nice. Boy. I didn't realize Lover Boy was that uh, deep. 
I, I've like seen ver- various moments of Loverboy, but that that's the pizza delivery one, right? Where like yeah, he, yeah. I guess it's based People... on a true story of a of a guy in Beverly Hills who was like delivering pizzas to rich ladies and was sleeping with them. But it starts off in that sort of like 80s raunchy mode. And then like by the middle of the movie, you have all the women he's visiting giving these like tearful monologues about how nobody like pays attention to them. And they're just like yeah. trapped in Whoa. these mansions. And you're like, OK, what movie am I watching? Um, <laughs> but she's uh, I don't know. Her movies all kind of do that. You think you're getting one thing. And then by the end, you're like, this is very different than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm Carrie like Fisher is in it. Christie Alley. You Kate think this Jackson? studio ever had notes or like after these women? I don't know. Like when they say these long winded things, can Patrick Dempsey be like, Hey, so we're gonna fuck or what or something? Can we <laughs> kind of lighten it after that. I don't know what's going on here. It is funny because his- in in the movie you have those scenes, and then it's like back to the pizza parlor where Hawkins <laughs> and Sue. That's amazing. <laughs> I that realizing that he that Patrick Dempsey was in an eighties rom com makes me realize I have no idea how old Patrick Dempsey is. <laughs> right. I thought he must be very well like well preserved because <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, I think he was like a teenager at that point. Like was the point, he? Oh, right? Okay. He was a lover boy, not a lover man. Uh, <laughs> but the, not too late for a reboot. The one thing I remember that <laughs> from that is <laughs> lover man. It's just about a guy who has lover sex. Lover man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is about a guy who fucks. The one thing I remember is that uh, extra anchovies was the order, right? That they used to signal that he was because they knew it was like so gross that nobody else would order that. Anyways, totally. little lover boy. What a time. What a time to be alive. The 80s. You love to hear uh, it. Fun fact. Jack always orders extra anchovies. <laughs> and that is anyway. where my order comes from. Yeah. Uh, just hoping that maybe this will come back in fashion. What is a myth? What's something people think is true that you know to be false or vice versa? Uh, maybe controversial, but I think Napoleon's personal life is way more interesting than his military career um, mm. or dictatorship. His family drama is just over the top Kardashian level type shit. And Give his love life. I did not know that. Give us some hits. Uh, well, my favorite is his love letters to Josephine, like he explicitly states he can't wait to frolic through her little black forest. So... Oh, oh I remember that line. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Wait, and what does that, that mean? Pubes? Hit, yeah, her pubes. Napoleon uh, went down. He wait, was a what? generous lover. Woo! I thought he was talking about the drink at Coffee Bean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they did that after. I talk about the ham. <laughs> Can't the fuck did a ham grow, aka your butt? <laughs> Wasn't he really into uh, like body odor? He was he was very pheromone sensitive. Yeah, I guess he didn't shower very much. Like he had very slick and oily hair, almost <sighs> incel level when he met Josephine because she was actually part of uh, the upper middle class and almost died in the revolution, but missed the guillotine by a couple days or something. So he hooked on to her for her class status, but he hadn't had a partner before her and like totally was into it, totally was in love with her, then had a messy breakup so he could date 
uh, I want to say a princess of Austria. And then after that, that's when his family comes in and they want titles, they want land. They were bickering over uh, who has the better status. And it it's just a mess. And I, I've gone yep. down a lot of rabbit holes. So the military, oh. Waterloo, whatever, Rosetta Stone, fine. But yeah. personal life, he muff dives. He muff dives. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Like, uh, yeah, like say my T-shirt, guys. Look, short it's my King T-shirt. Napoleon. He did go down. So yeah, mm-hmm. tight. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like his. That's one of the great unexplored, uh, like historical docu series that we we still need the the great Napoleon. Like the only the only example we have is from Get Shorty, right? The the fake. Um, oh yeah, Danny DeVito. Oh, Danny DeVito. Movie. That was it. Was like <laughs> a fake Oscar that. movie. I've been thinking right, about right. Get Shorty so much lately. I don't even know. I I don't even know why. I think about Renee Russo a lot, and not even because Outbreak, yeah. but just in <laughs> yeah. general. I had a Renee Russo. She popped into my dreams like as a ticket taker somewhere. I was like, okay, Renee. Whoa, you work at AMC now? All right, cool. Good to see you. Because <laughs> um, I was going to a movie, and I think it was Get Shorty. I don't know. It was, I'm I've these choir dreams. They are weird. I had a dream that Johnny Depp was my chiropractor. Don't know where that came from, but (laughs) I was okay with it. I woke up feeling, all right, (laughs) new day. And yeah, and you realized you were wearing one of his turquoise bracelets when you woke up. (laughs) Like how I beat Shaq. Exactly. (laughs) Wait, what? You're like, I like every time you have a dream about a celebrity, you have to wake up with like a piece of their clothing on and then you know it wasn't actually. Oh, right, right, right. And it really (gasps) happened. (gasps) You were just wearing one of Shaq's shoes. Aaron Carter really beat Shaq in the game. He couldn't have gotten that jersey otherwise. (laughs) You wake up sleeping inside Shaq's shoe. All right, Kim, uh, guys, everyone, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back uh, on the subject of uh, why we shouldn't want to go back to driving. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the roads and who is out there on them. This is a uh, great. This is great news segue. for me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Why I'm, do you not drive much? I don't have a driver's license. I've never passed the test. Oh well, then this is great I've news. Seen for you. This is drive. a big day. Jamie, that's right. you, I, I know. Listen, Jack. I know you see me drive, but that doesn't hey, mean that I had a license. Okay, riding dirty, Jamie. I was back when I had my O one Corolla. I pull up my O one Corolla and not have a license. It was Would kind of my thing. I'm proud of you. It was I'm a fun summer. Pull up to the scene with my license missing. So the Georgia <laughs> Department of Driver Services or their DMV. Uh, you know, a lot of bureaucratic institutions have just like tremendous backlogs of like applications and paperwork yeah. and legal cases, liquor licenses, whatever, just because shit's not moving right now and no one's out there. But so to deal with their thanks backlog the of people, <laughs> yeah, thanks to the Green New Deal, there's a mm-hmm. lot of teenagers that had their permits and they're like, yo, I'm trying to get this fucking license. I want to take my driver's test. Let me get in there. On Wednesday, last Wednesday, the state's Department of Driver Services said that they had upgraded 19,483 teen permits to full-on licenses. Without a test. Without a test. They just waived the test. 
I love it. That, and I that hate it goes too. from like needing your parent in the seat next to you, like slamming their foot on an imaginary brake because they're terrified and think you're driving too fast to just being able to drive on your own, I, just whatever yeah. the fuck you want. You know what? Some people don't test well, okay? (laughs) Says the woman in Mensa. (laughs) Those driving tests are culturally biased. Here's the thing. Uh, Sometimes when someone says, don't hit the curb, I hear something a little different, and I never pass the test. I I don't know. This is a great idea. Y'all know I slipped through the cracks, right? No, really? No, what do you mean? I scammed my license. I never took a driver's <laughs> test. I'm Ever? not even joking. What? I've In never Texas? taken a driver's test. No. How did you Wait, I know you. Ha- I know you to have a license. I know, and I drive terribly. <laughs> Wait, how did you get a... Okay, well, hey, we don't have to make it hot for you on, the, on the here. The pride oh, with which you just said that was so And I drive terribly. <laughs> okay, listen. Every Rip day I get home, I'll be like... Thank the Lord. We made it again because it'd be touch and go on the road for me. But no, I went to driver's ed school, but Mm -hmm. my sister went to driver's ed school and she did have to take a driver's license test. At the end of driver's ed school, my driver's ed teacher was like, you really need to practice more. And then I got my license. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. Good so I sympathize with these 19,000 kids. I hope that they'll be all right. They're mostly doing rural driving and I have so I have like yeah. such a I have like such a boomers like college debt being canceled take on this. I'm like hell no. I had to fail that shit right. fucking twice. I had to go to like two spooky DMVs that were not near my house because those are like the DMVs in the LA easy you ones. knew. And I that's that was what was the awful. I the failed in shit. Glendale. Like they, I'm never gonna pass. They're like they I give didn't these learn shits how to out. Parallel park till I moved to L. A. <laughs> then I was like, have I you, guess. But now I you've learned to fully. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, guess. I don't even hit people's cars anymore. <laughs> Major. I guess the licensing uh, process is not the uh, dragnet that we're we're making it out to be because I I also basically failed, but because the woman giving me the test was my teammate's aunt, I just like got through. You got nepotismed. I got nepotismed. Wow. Nice. Um, I like that. So, I like that. Yeah. There's different she ways gave in. me an 80. She gave me the worst score you could possibly give somebody <laughs> without failing them. And like she she would have failed me if she didn't feel bad for me. I like that. The personality angle. You get in there. You yeah. get a little sadness. And Jack, you cute. You probably working some little cuteness too. Like I was crying the whole time. <laughs> Just oh, weeping okay. openly, like I was trying to get out of a ticket. <laughs> I don't know. Why is this? Very pathetic. Really turned up the patheticness. Oh man, I, uh, I remember when I failed mine. I punched the dashboard of uh, the car, and my dad almost fucking body slammed me in the DMV parking lot. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, that's your fault. Like basically, it's like it's that that teacher, and I hit the thing. And I, you know, I'm fucking seventeen or eighteen or whatever, wild now. And yeah, anyway. Very angsty. I wasn't in a good place. Yeah, see, I have a lot of stress around the driver's test. My blood pressure is going up. My my watch is telling me to take a few breaths, breathes now. Yeah. Well, this, Anyways, this take a... Was, drive drive a, a couple clicks more conservative if you live in the Georgia area, guys. Yes. Uh, be safe out there. What is a myth, Catherine? What, what's something uh, people think is true you know to be false or vice versa? 
So the idea of a patient zero, specifically as it relates to the HIV epidemic. Oh, um, wait, wow. the COVID bad isn't real? Probably not. One of the reasons, so there's a couple of reasons why patient zero is a false premise. And one of them, I think it's so interesting and so basic. It's all about linguistics. The doctor who wrote up the report about patient zero, he actually didn't write zero. He wrote O, as in this is our patient who is outside of California because they were studying people in California. But it got misinterpreted as patient zero, which obviously is a way cooler like branding. Yeah. Right. It sounds good. Yeah, as if the they created the disease bad. within themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Ah, I will make it. Because the, the myth is about like a flight attendant, right? Yeah, exactly. A guy who, he was a flight attendant. and like A French-Canadian or something? French-Canadian, uh-huh. Um, Gaetan Dugas, I think was his name. Right. And the idea was that he was just an absolute sex maniac going from city to city on the airplanes and fucking everybody. And that he knew he was sick, but he didn't care. He just had to bang constantly. So none of that was really true. It's right. just a good story in the sense of like, oh, it's going to get all the conservatives upset. Yeah, but and helps it's reinforce not... those stereotypes. Yeah, and one of the reasons why he was actually incredibly helpful with studying HIV, it's actually really heartbreaking that he was so demonized because the reason he was so helpful was because he actually remembered the names of most of the people he had sex with. So they were wow, able to trace wow. from him, whereas all the other early patients were like, I don't know. I don't know who any of these people were. <laughs> so right. he was like sweet enough to catch their names, and then he got in trouble for it, essentially. It's wow. so messed up. So, so there, he yeah. was just noteworthy because he was so helpful to researchers, and like there was so much written up on him because he was like able to help do like contact tracing. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then this book was published a few years after he died called And the Band Played On, which is pretty famous. I think a documentary mm, yeah. version is yeah, made. Yeah, HBO. Mm -hmm. And the person writing it like laid all of the blame for HIV essentially on him. And then a few years after that, the editor of the book publicly apologized, saying that he let the author do that on purpose because he knew it would drum up book sales. And he knew that it wasn't true. Ugh. Ugh, Damn. Fucking hell. Yeah. Not worth it. No, not at all. It's crazy. So that's another thing I think like in, in these times that looking for a patient zero and I see in the media, they'll still do that like patient zero zero or like patient zero of this particular outbreak in Chicago. It's like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if we should be doing that. I don't know what benefit there is. To I it. mean, maybe just for the purposes of scientific data gathering as like some way to just identify, like, I think this is where we need to look first, but like for the media that concept of it i think is what you're like talking about is like how we need like who do we blame exactly like, who the fuck was it who ate some weird shit what the fuck like yeah. that's yeah. i think what that idea of a patient zero helps people do is just be like fuck that person it just builds up their anger also yeah. speaking of which i want to say that we keep saying wet market in america i think because it sounds gross so we get to think that it's gross it's a farmer's market. If we just called it a farmer's market, people would have a clearer idea of what they were talking about. Maybe a less racist mm. one. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. What? Why do they call? What? Where did that designation of wet market even like? What? What do you have to be to be have a wet market? I think it's the things that they sell there. If I'm remembering correctly, that a wet market right. has meat, and the dry market is like only um, like grains and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so fresh meat, fish, produce, and perishable goods. Yeah, the fucking farmers market. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. There's not a fish, not a fishmonger there. There's not a meat person there. There's not the every person selling produce. Really interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 
we have to move on to some important news because Miles, you've had a had a spiritual shift on your relationship to uh, Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah, I mean Guy Fieri, the Fierisance, as I call it, has uh, opened my eyes to some prejudices that I was holding against this man. Um, you know, like the last, I feel like eighteen months, I feel like the Fierisance has been like in full effect where. Every tr- story that comes out is like, what? Guy Fieri's not a douchebag? I truly think that Shane Torres, shout out Shane, like started the national waking up, <laughs> the global waking up to the fact that Guy Fieri never did anything to hurt us. Yeah. And like, I'm like, wait, hold on. This dude's like, got like, he's like a good dad and husband. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? He officiated a mass same-sex marriage for over 101 same-sex couples in honor of his sister who was lesbian yeah. that passed away. I'm like, what? Okay. Here. So I'm like, okay. And I, then the, the reason I bring this up now is that like we found out that there was this National Restaurant Association Education Foundation fund that was being set up for restaurant employee relief because the food industry has been just absolutely sp- fucked by this whole shutdown it's like it's horrific um to the point where most Russians like i don't know what to do i don't know how we reopen i guess we'll just like just go till the wheels come off at this point and then we'll go from there but this fund was meant to you know help employees receive like a one-time 500 dollars check when you apply to use for whatever you need your bills your rent or whatever turns out guy fieri was on his grizzy because he was started banging those phones and reaching out to like corporate donors he knew he this dude raised over 20 million dollars for this fund like in a matter of a wow. couple of weeks for and that means that's like when they break that down that's like 40,000 people who can get mm-hmm. this grant because of him and i'm like yes I, I i abandoned like guy fieri sucks maybe a year ago but i'm like eh. but now like with right. this one i've i've had to take another moment is to just examine what my fieri hate was was it that like, it's funny because I'm a huge Triple D fan. I love that show. I think it's great. I love food. There's right. not, it I never watch businesses. Yeah. And creates yeah. exactly like the amount of business it's created for these small, these small restaurants is fantastic. Like, there's apps even dedicated to be like, am I near a thing Guy Fieri's been to? Um, mm-hmm. And now, when you, but then I'm just sort of like, what the fuck is it? I'm like, was it, be- it was easy to talk shit because he just looked like a dude with spiked tips and shit and i was just like oh fuck that fuck his weird flame button ups i was like yeah it, it had to take a moment and just say like it was guy fieri merely there for me to feel cool comparatively and and not only now am i waking up to my own shallowness as to what my relationship with guy fieri actually is i don't know yeah that was beautiful though like, yeah, I, I know, like I, that. I love. I growth. had this process. It was like it was just weird. I'm like, why the fuck do I like? Honestly, I'm like, I like everything he does. Aside from me being like, okay, I wouldn't dress like that. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there's something to be said for like it's easy to hate someone doing something very goofy, very confidently. I think that it's it's very easy to pile on, and then yeah, and but but it's like if you look at like, well, what is that person actually doing? Like, <laughs> right, what right. are they doing? They're promoting a local business while looking goofy and being confident, then it's just, I feel like it's almost one of those, like, 
I don't know, like you're you're sort of uh, cringing on their behalf because they're not going to cringe for themselves. Yeah, uh, right. But he's fine yeah. with himself. He seems to like himself, and I and I, I think know. that's people what don't it like is, right? Confidence in others. No, exactly. Right. Like insecure people don't like to see secure people do their shit because deep down you're like, man, fuck. Why you? Why do you have that confidence to look like that? You fucking right, loser. Right. But like, <laughs> but really, I'm like, it's necessarily like I think I'm speaking that, for myself. I'm speaking for yeah. myself. I'm dismantling yeah. my own insecurity securities vis-a-vis my relationship with Guy Fieri. I think the way he entered the kind of collective consciousness is as like it, it's like Larry, if Larry the Cable Guy was a mad TV character, Guy Fieri was played by the was just a different character played by that same like mad TV performer, I feel right. like. They were like it was just that same like vibe so I, I yeah i just feel like he got a bad break from like how he came uh packaged to two people but yeah, yeah. I, I mean i agree like judging people by their by their hair is probably not fair um yeah <laughs> probably I think, well also i think also i had to kind of chip on my shoulder because i didn't like the name tex wasabi's I was like, fuck that. You don't know shit about any right. food, bro. Just keep it moving yeah. with the fucking fun <laughs> restaurants. Right. And, I mean, then, it's, and it's, then there was that New York Times review of his restaurant in Times Square. And I was like, oh, this guy sucks. But it was like from this snarky perspective of like right. food writers who just want to take a dump on him. Like, yeah, the food sucks or whatever. But like in my mind now, I'm like, leave Guy alone. So I actually have a different take on that article because that okay. um, review of Guy Fieri's restaurant in New York Times was very famous. I thought it was very funny. Like it was written in a very funny manner. Yeah, yeah. But I think people misunderstand what the writer was trying to do because they were saying that the writer was being a snob for caring that the food wasn't good at that mm. restaurant. But I think what the writer was saying was like, People are going to come on a special trip to New York and they're going to go on a special trip uh, dinner to this restaurant and the food's not good and you're charging $40 an entree and you shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. And I think right. that okay. was like That's a fair. different point, but every, but the way that there the were article ways, came though, across. I, yeah, I think there were some yeah. descriptions of the food, though, that I was like, oh. Okay, I mean, look, I enjoyed the thorough A good writer. Flaming. I mean, there's no doubt of <laughs> the writer's talent. Don't get talent. me wrong. But I'm just, you know, again... All this to say, I'm I'm doing all this introspection now uh, yeah. to to you know this is what I'm this is the work I'm doing in Quar. If I come out of here loving Guy Fieri, then I feel like I've done my part. You've grown yeah. as a person. Did you know that he also <laughs> fed firefighters and people who lost their houses? Yeah, during yeah, the fire, he's done yeah, a in lot. Santa Rosa, he's just yep. a fucking. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's weird how we just sort of reached this like threshold where it was no longer. I don't know. I think societally, we all just began to be like, yeah, we're not. Whatever, it's Guy Fieri. Like, maybe we've all grown. I don't know. I will say also that I went to a very fancy food event in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace in the pool area. And there's like multiple pools there. And at all the pools, it was a bunch of dressed up people like quietly drinking cocktails. But then when you went to Guy Fieri's pool area, that was a party. They had like a Guns N' Roses cover band and like airbrush artists doing work. And people were in the pool. Like, it was a much... More right. fun scene. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Meanwhile, Daniel Balud is like scoffing from his side. He's like, oh. Exactly. Right. Yes. I gr- Pretty I accurate. Grew- I grew up in a very pro Fieri family where it, it was TGI Fridays oh. that carried his deal. Because I remember we like, my, my mom was very enthusiastic about Fieri's output. And so, and she also, I'm kind of, every time I hear his name, 
I'm wondering where she picked this up, but she had this thing where she would be like, it's not Fieri, it's Fieri. You have to pronounce it the Italian way. Oh. Like she was very into him. And so, so we Luke. went we went to like TGI Fridays and my mom was like, I would like Guy Fieri's mozzarella sticks. <laughs> like his, uh, mozzarella. He's mozzarella. fun. He's like, he's yeah. fun. And, and the best part is that uh, Guy Fieri... Fieri Fieri, depending on the pronunciation you prefer. I should put respect on his name. Doesn't give a fuck what we think of him. And that is part of why he is himself. He doesn't, he, someone who like, you just, if you're Guy Fieri, you can't give a fuck what people think of you. Or you can't be yourself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think also the misunderstanding of what Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives was doing. Because I know when it started, I think I was in my early 20s and I was like, why does he like everything? How can he be this enthusiastic about <laughs> oh, all food? Yeah. yeah. But Welcome now to that town. like I'm smarter and also smarter people than me have explained it to me, it was totally just to keep these businesses going. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you if you go the John Taffer route where you travel the country verbally <laughs> abusing small business owners, that's literally like it's just it's I also fun. Show, it's though. just as fun to watch, but you're uh, like, maybe oh, this is a sick. less noble endeavor. Yeah, kind of idiot. I mean, I hope this is <laughs> what what that article by uh, man was talking about. How like another way that uh, pandemics influence culture is by uh, you know that there was like a peasant revolt after the uh, after the Black Plague and. I'm hoping that we see, and maybe this is like emerging class solidarity where like we used to identify, like we used to be stratified by like, well, I'm a New York Times reader and looking down on like Guy Fieri. Yeah. And now it's more like. <laughs> we the, are Guy can Fieri. Can you pronounce it? That? We are, we're all Guy Fieri. Dude, yeah. new uh, thing. Instead of Guy Fox masks, Guy Fieri masks. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh my thing. god. I love it. That's we need Have to that do shit that. marching on 1600. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the Fieris are here. The Maconasants, he just like got a Lincoln sponsorship yeah. whereas Guy Fieri's doing doing Send work. Send off the revolution, do, bro. Raising 20 million dollars. Uh uh all right guys, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Well, speaking of dreams, let's talk about Robert Pattinson, you guys. Um, <laughs> oh, baby. Jamie, you read the article? I read the article. Okay. Uh, this, so this is, uh, I know that like celebrities are canceled, but th- but they're not for real. And so, uh, so Robert Pattinson <laughs> has a storied history of giving wild ass interviews because he doesn't like doing interviews and he's he's a loose cannon and i think he's really bored right now so i guess i will i'll before we get into the interview he just gave to GQ which was bananas um i'll start by prefacing my previous favorite robert pattinson interview stunt which was back in 2011 he was promoting a movie called water for elephants it had something to do with the circus mm-hmm. uh and he went on the today show with matt lauer and Matt Lauer's asking, you know, bullshit softball morning show questions. He's like, oh, did you ever want to join the circus when you were a kid? And Robert Pattinson comes out and says, no, the first time I went to see the circus, somebody died. One of the clowns <laughs> died. 
and then oh my he, God. And then, <laughs> and then he goes on to say the clown's little car exploded the joke car <gasps> oh my god exploded and he just like this interview ages very well because it's also fucking matt lauer and he just like silences right. matt lauer and matt lauer's like Oh, and then the, <laughs> Matt is the worst. I He's think, horrible. I mean, obviously for the reasons that we've learned, uh, mm-hmm. but also just the yeah. I guess but just like as a we per- don't need like, the also, but just he, he was sucks a sh- on every level. Yeah, yeah. He like his personality and his presence as a media like entity. Like I feel like just stopped making, just fell off a cliff of making sense. Like. 10 years ago and and now it's like looking back is like why are we letting this smug asshole be like professionally smug and professionally an asshole anyways i love robert pattinson ever since i saw good time oh he's yeah he's he's like a good fun act like he gets away with shit that it almost makes me salty because like male actors can get away with anything and just be called a genius but that's not robert pattinson's fault that's the culture's fault so anyways robert pattinson comes out like a couple years later and admits that the whole clown thing was a lie (gasps) he's like i made the whole thing up of course it's it's coming back to haunt me it was really early in the morning someone asked me what my experience with the circus was and i was like i have nothing interesting to say i don't know why i said that so he just lied to matt lauer and so in this gq interview robert pattinson has been plus quarantine equals it's going to be a good interview. And in the middle of the interview, he brings up that he has this business idea. Uh, so he says, "Wait, is the rest is the, the interview so far up until this point, seemingly a normal interview ish for and it him. Takes a turn, like, or it's got textures talking, of a RPAT interview. It's, it has, but it's like generally pretty normal. He's talking about like the Christopher Nolan movie he's going to be in. He's talking about like being quarantined in the middle of production for got Batman. <laughs> like he says some funny things, but it's like he's generally going with it. But then I guess this <laughs> is like, like the I got third. this idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, and one day, like three days into this like multiple day interview process, he says, uh, this is his business idea. What if pasta really had the same kind of fast food credentials as burgers and pizza? I was trying to figure out how to capitalize in this area of the market, and I was trying to think, how do you make a pasta which you can hold in your hand? And then he goes on to say (laughs) that he has a prototype for it, and he made the prototype with a panini press, and then he set up and uh, a, a meeting with I, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly Lili Masamini who co-founded Sugarfish yeah. like <laughs> like Robert Pattinson called them up and was like I have an idea for pasta you can hold in your hand and like Masamini confirmed this they had a whole meeting about it and Masamini was like it's 100% true I was not interested uh <laughs> 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 oh but, shit so this isn't a clown car vibe like this has no, real this, is, this is a long bit that he's doing it's fucking incredible like it's really okay. impressive so he so he goes on to describe the product he says that it's called piccolini cuschino so oh. it's called it's called little pillow piccolini cuschino <laughs> um he's the he's my like, little pillow guy Uh, (laughs) my pasta pillow guy yeah (laughs) so he's like okay it's piccolini cuschino i'll pitch it to you in this gq interview and maybe i'll get an investor so he he's like okay i've got a prototype they're like on facetime he takes out 
a huge box of cornflakes. Um, and he's like, oh, I couldn't find breadcrumbs at the store. I'll get cornflakes. It's the same shit. He takes out one, Uh-oh. he takes out one gigantic novelty lighter <laughs> to flambe. He takes out nine packs of pre-sliced cheese. And he's like, and then you need sauce. And the writer is like, what kind of sauce? He's like, any kind of sauce. <laughs> Pattinson oh puts God. on latex gloves, put, takes out sugar and aluminum foil, builds the little piccolini cuschino. And then he says, okay, now you have to microwave the pasta. He accidentally lights one of his gloves on fire. And he, so now he's... <laughs> Holy shit. So now he's hurt. He has this giant like phony lighter he lights his hand on fire he's like ow 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 <laughs> then he goes back and then he burns the the uh letters p and c into the top of a hamburger bun for piccolini <laughs> cuschino uh then he puts the entire thing including aluminum foil into the microwave and says okay we're gonna Whoa. heat it up and he explodes the <laughs> microwave and there's like a lightning bolt that comes out of the microwave and he like takes cover all on FaceTime and <laughs> and then the microwave the breaks. F- this sounds and very similar to me drunk trying to do uh, pizza rolls. Right. <laughs> Holy <laughs> like, shit. And the commitment. Goes, yeah. And then he just goes back to the phone and he's like, yeah, I think I have to leave that alone. But that is a piccolini <laughs> cuschino. <laughs> and that's... What a fucking ender. And that is how you uh, make it. Did he just try it on the fly? Because you learn from the aluminum mistake once. Like yeah. he knew. He knew. He knew. He's just uh, a joker, this I guy. I saw the pictures. I don't know. Maybe he's How soon till <laughs> Pattinson's the new fucking John Hamm, who's like guy who's no. like dying no. to no. be a comedian. He's don't be- see it happening. No offense, but he's more talented than John Hamm. And no, but yeah. I mean, like, he clearly has a knack for, com- like, he likes comedy. You know what I mean? Like, he has yeah. a sense of humor. He's a little cheeky uh, based on the Lauer shit and even this, like, microwave aluminum foil bit. But I wonder if, like, he'd ever truly be like, I thought, you know, I'd like to do a little more comedy. You know, I, I think, think he it's- wants to be like Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I think he wants to be yeah. like Quirky. guy that can do anything and is known for being eccentric. Guy. So this is yeah, I think this is basically manufactured. Likely. So this is shitty manufactured eccentricity. I don't know. I I kind of he's been doing it long enough that I believe that he's a weird guy. Mm. He but did Twilight, and that's weird enough. He, he did Twilight, <laughs> and he was also like, if you watch his old press interviews from Twilight, he's actively making fun of the experience of being like. There was never a moment in his career where he was like deeply sincere, and then was like, yeah. right. mm-hmm. he's a goof, he's a weird guy. I don't know, and it is true that like really only like male actors of a certain type can like get away with this shit and not be like dismissed as like annoying or difficult, but. Right. Uh, I just happen to like how he specifically does it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Piccolini Cuschino, baby. I wait to see more from this comedian. Invest now. It does really, uh, Kim, to your point, sound, sound a lot like something I like my behavior when I was drunk. And mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if we'll find out that he was just a fun drunk for uh, most of his, his career. His entire adult oh. life. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, in 20 years, he's like, looking back, I was, uh, it's, it's sad to I say this, and I don't mean to upset him. Drunk on the I was Today show out at 6 a.m.? Every time. I, uh, yeah. 
Piccolini Maybe Cucino. still drunk. All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, it means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.